0: Christian Church, if this is your first time with us, we are so glad that you are here. We are going through a study together called The Story, and basically we're going through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation um, over the course of the next few months, and if you're here today and you're like, man, I'd like to go through that with you guys, then we'd love for you to walk out of here today with one of these. This is The Story Bible, and this is the resource that we're using, it's the Bible in chronological order, so if at the end of this day you're like, man, I want to do that with, with you guys, then you just grab your copy out of the Welcome Center, and we invite you to come back. We're in our fifth chapter today. It's a fascinating chapter, and you'll be able to catch up really easily. Um, But this fifth chapter, I mean, it's kind of a, in many ways, it's kind of a turning point. It's a fascinating chapter to me, and if you've read it before you came in here today, then you probably know what I'm talking about. This is the part of the story where God is going to lay down some guidelines, In other words, God's like, going, I care very much how you behave. You know, I've rescued you out of Egypt. I'm making a nation out of you. And I care very deeply about some things. So if I'm going to be your God and you are going to be my people, then how you treat one another is really important. And not only that, if I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people, how you interact with me. As your heavenly Father, as your one true God, that is deeply important to me as well today too. So on page 59 is where we're going to be reading or starting our reading today. So go ahead and turn over there to page 59. This is the equivalent of Exodus chapter 19. Verse 1, um, just remember as you're turning there, the Egypt, you know, Egypt is where the Israelites have been enslaved for like 400 years. And then God sent Moses and there was these 10 plagues and they were miraculously led out of Egypt. And then they went across the Red Sea on dry ground. Pharaoh's army followed them in and what happened? The walls of the water came crashing on them and they were all destroyed. And for the first time, the Israelites are truly free. To live out the kind of life that God would have them to live out. So God's got them now, his nation, and page 59, it starts like this On the third day of the third month, or excuse me, on the first day of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. And they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God. And the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, this will not be the last time you hear God say something like this. It's conditional. If you do this, if, 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 if you... Obey me fully and keep my covenant. Then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. Remember what God's doing? He is building a nation of like-minded people that are going to be the example to the whole world of what the family of God looks like. Why is God doing this? Why is he going to all the trouble? Well, hopefully you remember that all God has really ever wanted to do. What we have learned so far in these first five chapters is that God just wants to dwell with his creation. He wants to do life with us. And that is what the Garden of Eden was all about, as we read in chapter 1. It was this perfect environment where God could walk and talk and enjoy a relationship with the people he created. That was what Adam and Eve had. It's never been like that since the Garden. What changed? Well, Adam and Eve sinned. And from that moment, you know, everything changed. They became sinners, and they were banned And they banned themselves, God banned us from the garden. So so God took another approach, and that's what we've been reading about. God took another approach to do life with people. He would create a nation, and he would reveal himself among these people. And this nation, like I said, would be the envy of the world. Everybody would look at them and say, I want to be like, like that. It took some time for this nation to grow. Remember, a promise was made to Abraham. He had a son named Isaac. He had a son named Jacob. Jacob had a lot of sons, one of whom was Joseph. Joseph became a leader in Egypt and moved his entire family to Egypt. That's how this family got there. And then that's where they stayed for 400 years and grew to the size of a family. Somewhere between one and three million people, they became slaves. God Sent in Moses, ten plagues later, and the crossing of the Red Sea, they were free. Now, they are at the point where God is ready to lead his people. He's going to lead his people through Moses into another garden-like place. The Bible will call this place the Promised Land. The Bible describes the Promised Land as a great place. A land flowing with milk and honey. It will be kind of like the garden was, but it's going to set the stage for God interacting with his people and dwelling among them. Of course, it's not going to be the same as the garden, but this is the new thing that God is doing, and he's going to dwell with them. What you're going to see from this chapter of the story is that right now at this point, God is ready to come down and dwell with his people. That's what this chapter is all about. So three months have passed since they've left Egypt. God's led them to this mountain, Mount Sinai, and they're at the base of this mountain. They set up their camp, and this is what Look on page 60. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the front Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like, a, like from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. You know, this is one of those times in the Bible, I've shared many of these times with you, that I would love to have been in the crowd, I think. I think I would have liked to have been there. And it seemed like everybody was terrified. But knowing what I know, I mean, here you've got the cloud that descended, a fire descended of God onto this mountain. And smoke came out of the top of it like a chimney from a furnace. And it was amazing. Look at what it says next. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him. Can you just, can you just close your eyes and be there for a minute? Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. And here God is setting the stage. God is setting the stage for something he's wanted for many, many years. is this, what this book is all about. I just want to come down and be with my creation. But before God can do that fully, three things have to happen, And if you've read your chapter, you've already read these th- three things, whether you knew it or not, let me just point it out to you. God's like, three things are going to have to happen before I can dwell with you the way I'd like to. And the first one is this. God insisted that his people live by a set of guidelines. God's insisting that his people live by a set of guidelines. And and here's why. God has watched his creation and how poorly they have treated each other almost since the very beginning. Wickedness had ruled. And God's like, you guys are going to be different. And so he gave them some guidelines. Those guidelines are are what have become known to us today as the Ten Commandments. Now... As a general rule, we don't like rules, do we? Now I don't know why that is, but we're just that way. We we, we're okay with rules, but we just want to make sure everyone else follows them, not necessarily us. That's kind of how we look at things. I Heard about a mother who had her, her daughter at home, and her daughter was five years old. Her daughter's name was Jenny. And it was just one of those days where Jenny was arguing with her mother over just about everything. Now, none of us can relate to that, right? None of us can, can really understand this, so I'll, I'll, I'll stretch a little bit. So finally, Jenny's mother had had enough, and she said, Jenny, that is it. Go sit in the corner and stare at the corner, and don't move until I come and get you. And so Jenny marched off to the corner, and in her little five year old way, she sat down and stared at the corner. And after Jenny evaluated her situation for a few moments, she yelled back at her mother, Mom, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. You know? I think that that's an attitude that, if we're really being honest, exists in all of us to some degree. I'm standing up on the inside. Because we just don't like rules, and we don't want to be told what to do. And the Israelites are no different. And as we get farther into the story, you are going to see that the Israelites will prove this defiance over and over and over again. I'm standing on the inside. So God's like, I want to be your God, and I want you to be my people, but you've got to learn first how to interact with one another. You've got to understand what I desire from you. And you need to learn what I desire between us and how I want us to interact with one another. So if you turn over to page 61, this is where God lays out his guidelines for the Israelites. And God spoke all of these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of their parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. But showing love to a 1,000 generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not, will, hold, will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work. But on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, Neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servants, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land, the land your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servants, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And there you have it. Those are the big ten the ten commandments. Something that's been passed on to us from generation to generation, survived um, all this time. And we even hang these Ten Commandments throughout the courthouses in our land, or at least for a little while longer. The Ten Commandments. you think about it, maybe you've never heard them broken down like this before. But the first four commandments, one through four, they deal with our interaction with God, our our relationship with God. It sometimes is referred to as our vertical relationship with God from here to there. And if you look at the four, it makes a lot of sense. What does God say? You shall have no other gods before me. In other words, I'm number one. There's only going to be one God. There's only enough room for one God in this family, and that's me. And the second one is you shall not make for yourself an image. You're not going to bow down to this image. Basically, everything they'd seen for 400 years in Egypt, God's like, no more of that singular devotion, and that will be me. He says, do not misuse the name of the Lord your God. We'll say, don't take the Lord's name in vain, is how we sometimes say it today. What he's saying is, how you speak to me, and how you talk about me, and how you refer to me, is going to be done reverently, respectfully, not lightly. And then, Keep the Sabbath day holy. We'll talk more about the Sabbath day as we get a little deeper in the story. We won't get into it too much right now. But basically saying, you will have a day of rest. There's something that's holy towards me by resting. And then, so that's the first four commandments. Now, the remaining six commandments have to do with people's relationship with each other. So in other words, it's our, our horizontal relationship. So one through four, vertical relationship. Five through 10, horizontal relationships. And what are they? Honor your father and mother do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not cover your neighbor's stuff. Seems pretty straightforward. But while Moses was getting these Ten Commandments, do you remember what the Israelites were doing? Moses is away, and they're like, woe is us. Moses is gone.